you have the American dream. You run your own business. But running a business turns out to be more than you thought. It's a pain in the neck. You're not getting where you want to go. You're not getting what you want to get. And you're working 97 hours a week. We're here to help you fix that. This is the Small Business Celebration Podcast. I am your host, Michael Roberts, and on this podcast, you can learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. As most of our long-term listeners know, I normally begin this podcast with a brief statement where I thank our, our content guests, our sponsors, and more importantly, you, our listeners here in Visioneer Nation. We thank the tremendous content that our Visioneer guests continue to provide this podcast, our sponsors, and you, Visioneer Nation, who have subscribed to this podcast, internalized our guests' valuable insight, and because of it, are growing a strong and profitable business, and we thank you. Today's Small Business Celebration is moderating a panel discussion here at the 23rd Annual Kern County Society for Human Resource Management Symposium, an exhibition here at the Bakersfield Marriott and Convention Center, and that is why you're hearing all the crowd noise in the background. Our guests today are Dan Klingenberger, the President-Elect of Kern County Sherm. Welcome to the podcast, Dan. Thank you, Michael. Glad to be here. We also have Laurel Hill, who is the current president of KC Sherm. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And finally, we have Denise Montecito, who is the current secretary for Kern County Sherm. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. And one of the things I wanted to brief on is for whom you all each represent to be here at the Kern County Sherm. And beginning with you, Dan, with whom do you associate? I am with the law firm of LeBeau Thielen. I'm a partner there, and I specialize in employment law. Perfect. And if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? They can call me at 325-8962 or send me an email, look on my, our website, and track me down. And look at the brand new logo that they've come out with. It's, it's quite nice. Thank you. And Laura, with whom are you associated? I'm the CEO of Pinnacle Recruitment Services here in Bakersfield. And how do the people get in touch with you? They can find me also online at PinnacleRecruitmentServices.com or they can call me at 340-5099. Perfect. And Denise, with whom are you associated? I am with Goodwill Industries of South Central California. Uh And how do people get in touch with you? Best way is to go to thegoodwill.org or to give us a call at 661-837-0595. And just to make sure we get the last of it out of the way, this convention happens every year here in Bakersfield. And Dan... When is next year's convention? What is what are the dates on that? Next year's convention is October 7, 2020. So at about the same time of year next year. This particular convention, there's been a lot of hot topics discussed in the world of human resources. I wanted to go down the line very briefly and ask what has popped out and stuck out. Beginning with you, Laura, what have you learned a lot about in this year's symposium? You know, I think one of the hottest topics that we're talking about today is diversity and inclusion. Mm. Uh, we saw the Me Too movement happen and how that uh, was affecting local businesses. So we, we took a cue from that movement, and we had some of those topics that were discussed here today. And I think for me that stands out as being uh, an issue that many businesses are dealing with today and, and how really you know, diversity and inclusion, I think, is really changing to just inclusion mm. and how to incorporate that into the workplace. And give us an example of something that you've learned from this that has helped with you and, and business owners for the Me Too movement. Particularly the last keynote speaker that we had, Natasha uh, Bowman, who just uh, got done, and her presentation was entitled The Power of One. 
it's something we don't always think about to put it into perspective of really what your decisions do and how they impact others and, and how powerful decisions just from one single person can be when it's talking about impacting culture in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think the takeaway is to be more mindful in that regard about how powerful one single person could be. And then one of the things I also found interesting about her talk was how the power of silence or the lack thereof can really negatively impact a business, both from a culture standpoint and a financial one, because the person, because people didn't speak up, it cost the business and the company a lot of money, which led to layoffs. For you, Denise. We did speak this morning, Jerry, Pierce and I spoke about accommodation process and the interaction between employer and employee. That was one of our topics this morning for a breakout session. It was just very interesting to to take a look at it, not only from a legal standpoint, and Jerry presented that side, um, but I was able to present kind of a practical standpoint to other HR practitioners who were in the room. That was uh, very well received. I really enjoyed talking about that topic. Give us an example of employee-employer relationships, and what is a model or a base standard that a small business owner should achieve or look to achieve with their employees? Okay. I would say that in this aspect, it is truly about building that relationship with the employee so that they are able to assist the employee in accommodating for any kind of illness or injury that Mm -hmm. they may go through. I mean, life happens to all of us. I'm sitting here in a boot. It (laughs) happened to me three weeks ago. And so there's an amount of legal accommodation that we have to give to our employees under the ADA and under FEHA. What is ADA and what is FEHA? Americans with Disabilities Act and FEHA, Dan? Fair Employment and Housing Thank Act. You. <laughs> Sorry. That's why we have an attorney here, right? I'm, yeah, I'm one for two. <laughs> exactly. We use a lot of acronyms in, yeah. uh, in our HR world. So, yeah. and, and Dan, what was some of the employee engagement that you picked up from this, from this symposium? Well, I was impressed by our morning's keynote speaker. He told us that he had come from a marketing background. And who was our speaker? Stan Phelps. Yes. Uh-huh. He had told us that he came from a marketing background. And so a lot of his career had been spent on trying to develop business from customers and getting customers engaged to develop more business. But over time, he realized that if you don't have your employees engaged, mm-hmm. uh, then you're not going to get those customers that you like. So uh, one of the things he began to work on is how do we get our employees engaged and a lot of it's by recognizing the good things they do, giving positive feedback to them. And if you do those type of things, you're going to have more engaged employees and, and build the relationship that Denise is talking about. Right. Give us an example of employee recognition that employers can effectively use to build up that engagement. Well, it, it can take on all ki- types of things, and employers have used you know, a lot of different tools. So it could be from, from something so small as a company barbecue and thanking them for what they do day, day in and day out for you. It could be more personal recognition from a, either a positive performance evaluation or some positive specific thing you give them, some, some singling them out and recognizing them in front of their peers. So there's a lot of ways you can, uh, I think, give that, that specific recognition to people when they deserve it. Uh, Ron, why are you clinking glasses? I'm practicing my toes for our Geronco customers for this business this holiday season. 
holiday party toasts? You betcha. This is a time of year when business owners and leaders that listen to this podcast call our shop or go to our website at joronkorentals.com and reserve all their tables, linens, plates, flatware, and glasses for their holiday parties. But aren't all of your holiday party rentals almost reserved already? Not if any member of Visioneer Nation that listens to this podcast come down to our shop at 7501 Brundage Lane here in Bakersfield or gives us a call at 661-325-0855 or checks us out on our website at Jaronco Rentals. That's J-O-R-O-N-C-O Rentals with an S dot com right now. Wait, let me get a piece of paper and a pen. That was 7501 East Brundage Lane here in Bakersfield or giving you a call at 661-325-0855 or on your website at Jeronco Rentals. That's J-O-R-O-N-C-O rentals.com. We're here at the Kern County Sherm Symposium and Convention this year, and I'm here with uh, Dan Klingenberger, Laura Hill, and Denise Montecito, and we're talking about human resources and what we have learned from this convention. The big topic of discussion is AB5 and how that has changed things here in California. For our listeners who are not that familiar with AB5, Dan, go ahead and give us an overview of what is AB5 and how it is changing employment law. Well, AB5 was recently signed by the governor, and it's a new piece of legislation that is essentially codifying or turning into statutory law a court decision that was made the year before, last year. Basically, it's changed the test that's to be used to determine whether a worker is an employee or an independent contractor. And it's simplified the test to now create what's called the ABC test. So there's essentially a three-factor test that is to be used across California. So it's impacting all many, many, I should say, professions, industries, really a a very group of businesses that are going to have to consider modifying their practices because of how you determine whether this worker is an employee or an independent contractor. What is the ABC test? Um, basically, it's, it's, um, it's a three-factor test that's t- talking about, you know, essentially how much control does the employer have over the company or, or over the worker, I should say, wh- whether the worker is performing work that's in the usual course and scope of what that business does, and then whether that worker has established itself as its own independent business. That's a highly paraphrased um, summary of what the ABC test is. One of the impacts of this change in the legislation is there's the idea that a lot of independent contractors are going to have to go to staffing agencies. Tell us, Laura, a little bit about how you you see that shift and how it's going to impact employees and employers, more specifically, and their need for staffing agencies. Yeah, I think it is going to really impact our industry. Uh, For example, a lot of workers who have been paid on a 1099 basis up to date are individuals that may work for one or more employers. Mm. And so they don't work full-time necessarily for any one particular company, which makes sense to 1099 them. This shift in AB5 is going to require that many of those people become employees. But are they part-time employees of multiple companies? Does that even make sense? How do you compensate them? How do you provide benefits for them? 
do they meet the full-time criteria? And so those are questions that really are unanswered. But I think what we're going to find is a lot of companies are going to turn to staffing companies, particularly mm. temporary staffing companies, to offer payrolling services who can help employ these workers. Of course, the consequences of that are things like employment taxes, benefits, unemployment claims, if that person was to leave or be terminated. This is going to be something that we're going to have to kind of figure out as we go along, because some of it we don't quite know yet. But I think that it is going to be something that really affects the temporary staffing industry. And I think we're going to see companies step up to fulfill the need, particularly mm. here in California, to service companies who need more part-time workers. Tell us, Denise, how do small business owners keep in keep up with these changes? Because just as Laura had indicated, there's still a lot of unanswered questions, and the questions are going to have to be answered by someone. How do employers find out who that someone is to get those answers? That's a good question. I, th I think it's going to depend on the type of industry that they're hmm. in, because there are some carve-outs that I understand are, are there for certain industries. I think it's going to depend on that. If you're not in that carve-out, and I think Dan could speak a little more to who those are, who are affected by that industry carve-out, if you're not in that, what you really need to do is you need to go back and look at who you 1099. Mm. And you need to check and see if they stand up to the ABC test or the Brillo test, um, which is applicable for those that are not in the carve-out. If, if they look at that and then maybe check in with an attorney to make sure that they're good, I think that that's one of the basic things that they can do. I think most companies are pretty well informed as to what is going on and how this is affecting them. Nail salons, that's a, a really big one. Transportation industry, that's a really big one. And of course, Uber and Lyft, they have directly been affected by this. One of the challenges that a lot of small business owners or micro business owners have is they don't necessarily have access to full HR departments. And so how does the small business owner or the micro business owner go about keeping up with this evolving legislation and application? Laura? You know, our organization, Kern County SHRM and Greater SHRM, uh, is a phenomenal way to do that. You know, our sole purpose, we're a nonprofit organization, is to provide education for our community. And that doesn't just mean HR professionals. Mm. That's business owners, uh, office managers, Many controllers or people in accounting also double as human resources representatives oftentimes. And so I think our outreach to our greater business community here in Kern County and our message to them is that we're a resource to help stay current when it comes to human resources law, obviously compliance. Uh, and you can capture that information here. We meet monthly. So if you come to the meetings, you and learn where, a lot. And where are the meetings held? We meet at the Four Points. Uh, it's the first Wednesday of every month. It's a luncheon from 1130 to 130. AB5, there's going, there are some carve-outs. Dan, can you give us some indication on who those carve-outs are that are excluded from this legislation? It's a long list, actually, and might go beyond the scope of what we're trying to do here today. But the, some of the examples are some in the financial industry, if you're, you have certain licenses, real estate as well. There's a business-to-business -business contracting exception that exists there's physicians and, and surgeons uh, are also are exempted out from the AB5, ABC test. Each of these, as Denise mentioned, though, may still need to be able to show that they meet the, the factors of the, the previous test, which was the Borello test. So just because you 
fit within an exception doesn't automatically mean that you have carte blanche to either to treat yourself as an independent contractor or if you're the hiring company to treat them as an independent contractor. So I would say to me the takeaway is that anybody, any business that's considering hiring someone as an independent contractor, considering hiring someone on a 1099 basis needs to understand this law and research it before they make that decision. This legislation doesn't impact just small business owners, but nonprofits are not for-profits as well. And as a representative of Goodwill, Denise, tell us how this law is impacting nonprofit organizations or not-for-profit organizations. One of the things that we are looking at, because Goodwills are set up as separate corporations, we have other sister Goodwills do have relationships with them, which would fall under the business-to-business category. Um, But I would say for nonprofit, depending on what you do, it's going to depend on whether you do fall into that carve-out or not. Mm. As a business leader, you are a visioneer. You are ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than your mainstream competition. But what about your message? If your clients and customers don't clearly understand what you can do for them, you are leaving money on the table. If you confuse, you lose. Here at Small Business Celebration, we have a seven-step solution that can clarify your message and put you in the game. Don't leave money on the table. Go to smallbusinesscelebration.com and schedule a listening session today. We're here today at the Kern County Society for Human Resource Management Convention and Symposium today. It's the 23rd annual. We've got, and I'm getting some really odd looks. Am I saying this wrong? We're at the Casey Sherm Annual Symposium. There it is. <laughs> Casey Sherm Annual Symposium. Thank you. I guarantee by the time the interview's over, I'll have it right. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that I wanted to explore is talking a little bit about risk avoidance through strategic human resources. And small business owners often tend to be reactionary rather than you know taking the bull by the horns. I wanted to explore a little bit about some of the lessons learned or exemplified out of this symposium. And I'd like to begin with you, Laura. Talk a little bit about how you can strategically avoid some HR issues as a small business owner. Yeah, this is... One of the most important things that small businesses can do, uh, primarily because if they do get hit with a claim, they can't absorb it like a large company would. HR rules in California don't apply to just large businesses anymore. Some regulations have been passed that go down to five employees or more. Almost all businesses have five employees or more. So when you're talking about compliance issues, this is really a risk avoidance issue. Because if you do get hit with a lawsuit, it could put a small business out of business. So in some regard, it could be really one of the most important things that we're doing as small business. And it is hard to be compliant because many small businesses just don't have a full-time HR professional on staff, right? So how do you keep up with the new laws? How do you keep yourself educated? And that can be very, very challenging because sometimes, you know, getting the real or actual work done takes precedent to planning and strategic analysis and, and risk avoidance. But I think that you have to look at human resources like you would any insurance policy. You know, you wouldn't go without a general liability policy. Right. Or you wouldn't go out without an auto policy. HR needs to be applied as in the same broad stroke. You have to make sure that you're compliant in California. If you're not, your business is at risk, and that's the bottom line. Part of that compliance is wage and hours 
And Dan, talk a little bit about what uh, you have gained from learning at this conference about the wage and hours compliance. I did attend the session on, on wage and hour that was uh, presented by uh, two representatives from the local uh, Division of Labor Standards Enforcement Office, what we commonly call the Labor Commissioner. They gave a, a very good presentation about some of the fundamentals that business owners, small business in particular, need to to be concerned about and to track to make sure they are in compliance. So, uh, and and I, you know, represent companies on a day to day basis, you know, with wage and hour issues and. It can be challenging for businesses to learn all the details of what they need to comply with. But, you know, some of the fundamentals that they talked about today were things like, are you paying employees correctly? Are you complying with minimum wage, overtime compensation, providing meal and rest periods in accordance with the law? Are your pay stubs in compliance with some very detailed requirements that the labor code requires? And these things are easily overlooked by a small business owner who doesn't even know what questions to ask. But they need to, to utilize the, the resources, as Laura talked about, and to, to continue to research these things to make sure they do meet those obligations because the downside is large in terms of penalties, in terms of litigation, lawsuits, claims with the labor commissioner. Uh, so it's important to educate yourself. And uh, you know, a lot of people don't know what they don't know, but they, in this day and age, that becomes more and more dangerous. So yeah, I'll, I'll interject there, Dan, if you don't mind. You know, there are we are a great resource with Casey Sherm, but there are other resources here in Kern County as well. We have a number of vendors that are here today actually representing themselves at booths that offer HR consulting services. You could go to firms like Dan's, Lebeau Thielen, uh, where obviously he's an expert in, in HR and labor practices. But you don't have to be alone. A lot of small businesses, I think, don't know necessarily where to start. And even hiring a consultant is a good place to start. Uh, yes, you do have to spend a little bit of money to make sure you're compliant. But uh, wouldn't you rather do that than face a lawsuit? <laughs> Now, tell us, Denise, what are some of the things that you learned? Um, I really liked Stan Phelps' talk this morning mm. about employee engagement, and that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with your prior questions. Jay Rosenlieb, who is an attorney here in the community, says that an employee is happy and then they sue. And <laughs> you have to make sure that, not that you're necessarily keeping them happy, but you need to put your human in human resources towards your employees. Mm. And one of the things that uh, Stan Phelps talked about today is employee engagement and ensuring that you are boots on the ground with your employee. You really do know what they're doing and how they feel about it and what they're going through without getting too invasive into their privacy. You still need to have a relationship with that employee where you are meeting needs, quite frankly, a little bit beyond just a paycheck, mm. a lot beyond a paycheck. For Visioneer Nation, and I'll go down the, the line on this, because we always ask our visionaries something that, or ask our guests for Visioneer Nation, something that they can do today to grow a strong and profitable business. And I'd like to start with you, Denise. I think that Kind of dovetailing on what we've discussed, Laura suggested the Casey Sherm, but I think that there are brokers, there's resources through their insurance brokers that a lot of people really don't know are out there. Like, uh, like who? 
For instance, if they have a broker who has sold them their professional liability Mm -hmm. uh, insurance or their workers' comp insurance, you can work with them and with your carrier. There's a lot of resources there that can supplement the HR, especially if there's an HR of one or the business owner is the HR person. Right. I would say leveraging those relationships and going to them and saying, I pay you a good bit of money, (laughs) so (laughs) I need to squeeze a little more juice out of the lemon, help me uh, on my HR side and compliance side. Very good. And how about you, Dan? Well, I think using those resources, I think, is a fantastic idea. You know, Casey Sherm, as we've talked about, offers a lot of educational opportunities for business owners around town. We'd like to have members, but people can still visit our meetings. And if they see something in particular they're interested in talking about, I know that the the labor commissioner and the EDD are also providing free, I, I think they're free typically, uh, educational opportunities uh, as well. And so if a small business owner hears about that, then they should take, take them up on it, you know, because there's just one more way to learn all of these compliance requirements that are so critical to being successful especially with the changes with AB5. Mm-hmm. Yes. And how about you, Laura? You know, I, I think that um, obviously compliance is really important. We've talked a lot about that. But I also think that small businesses need to focus on employee engagement because every one person's job in a company that's small is, is that much more important because they might be doing the only, or the only person doing that one thing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of small business owners think, well, we're too small, we can't do this, or you know, we're, we're not big enough to have this policy, or we're not big enough for, for that or, or this or whatever. But I, I disagree. I think that even small businesses can function from a global thought process. And I don't mean global as in the earth. I mean global from their business perspective and growth strategy and incorporate those plans into what their employees are doing on a daily basis and really empower those people to to be engaged in the workplace. And when you have a small business where people are top performers and they are all engaged in the workplace, it elevates that company to the next level. And I think it, it gets overlooked a lot because business owners are just busy getting business done. Right. But we really need to focus on that more. It is one thing to say we need to engage with our employees more. It's another thing to do it. And I'd like to ask the three of you, to give some examples that you've seen that work well, that employers do to engage their employees to help with the bottom line and have a more successful and stronger business. Denise? One of the things that we do in our company is we go out and we work side by side with our employees. We Mm. put gloves on, we put boots on, we walk up to the employee and say, show me what you're doing today. Mm. Show me how you do it. How do you do this safely? Okay, this is okay. How are you doing? You mm-hmm. know, is there are there other tools that you could use? Are your gloves worn out? Or is there anything else that you can suggest? Having that relationship builds trust with the employee where they're at. They don't come to you, you go to them. Mm. How about you, Dan? Well, of course, I work in a law firm, so it's a a relatively safe environment. Um, It's hard to get hurt there. You know, we still have the same, some of the same challenges, which is to keep our employees engaged. And some of the things that we do are just show our appreciation for the employees, whether it's, you know, a potluck or a party or a barbecue or an event outside the office, Mm. things like that, just to reinforce that we don't just expect them to come in and work and really value what they do. How about you, Laura? Yeah, you know, obviously recognition I think is huge, but going beyond that, 
could you imagine a business where every single person knew what the business plans and goals were and they were working together in tandem to achieve those goals? Mm. You know, I think a lot of small business owners really miss the mark on relaying information on what their long-term plan is to their employees. So people kind of feel isolated and not necessarily part of a team. They have a job to do and they get that job done and maybe they do it well, but they don't know what the business owner's plans are for the future. Mm. And so I think your podcast is designed particularly for small businesses, right? And I think if more small business owners really started to engage with their employees to discuss to the, with them, here are our long-term goals. How can we meet these goals? Would you have any input on this? This is what we want to achieve together. And they come together as a community or a culture within that organization. And then those employees start to feel like they're really an important part of that. They're an important part of that plan. And they get that loyalty to that person because they see that there's some long-term growth there. They see that long-term strategy. And they see what their part is in that long-term plan. They, they're part of something. And it, it doesn't have to be you know global acquisition, right? It can be this is what we're doing now and this is what we want to do next year and this is what we hope to do two years from now and it could be something that's that simple it could be the bottom line it could be some process improvement whatever it is but I think if employees are communicated with in that way they feel like they're really part of something and that's what motivates people to do a better job Dan, Laura, Denise, this has been a pleasure. I appreciate all three of you being on the Small Business Celebration podcast and sharing with us all of your wisdom and insight. And we appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Ron, why are you clinking glasses? I'm practicing my toast for our Geronco customers for this business this holiday season. Holiday party toasts? You betcha. This is a time of year when business owners and leaders that listen to this podcast call our shop or go to our website at joronkorentals.com and reserve all their tables, linens, plates, flatware, and glasses for their holiday parties. But aren't all of your holiday party rentals almost reserved already? Not if any member of Visioneer Nation that listens to this podcast come down to our shop at 7501 Brundage Lane here in Bakersfield or gives us a call at 661-325-0855 or checks us out on our website at Jaronco Rentals. That's J-O-R-O-N-C-O, rentals with an S, dot com right now. Wait, let me get a piece of paper and a pen. That was 7501 East Brundage Lane here in Bakersfield or giving you a call at 661-325-0855 or on your website at Jaronco Rentals. That's J-O-R-O-N-C-O rentals.com. Who is a visioneer? A visioneer is a small business leader who is a pioneer that has vision. A visioneer is someone willing to see the world, not as it is, but as it could be, and is willing to do something about it. A visioneer is ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than the mainstream competition. A visioneer gives value first because visioneers are in business for the long haul. Visioneers understand the difference between saving money and earning a profit. Visioneers define their destiny. Visioneers create their own luck. Visioneers surround themselves with successful, like-minded people. Visioneers are renegades who defy the mainstream competition and are ready to change the world. Are you a visioneer? Join the Visioneer tribe at Small Business Celebration on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration podcast. 
Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.